So, to review for a second, so basically, for the purpose of the discussion of our Gemara, we have three Mishnayas that we're trying to, that we're juggling right now. <clears throat> the first is our Mishnah, which is Mishnah in Sukkah, obviously, Davchaf, which is a Machlokas, the Tanakam and Rabbi Yehuda, whether or not an Ohel is mafsik between, in all Arai, is mafsik between, in other words, is the bed mafsik between it and the Sukkah. Now, how to define it, we explained that the issue was relative, where are you? Are you in the Sukkah? Are you in the, under the bed? And whether or not we consider the bed problematic was a machlokas tanoi, was a machlokas the Tanakam and Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda said that uh, it was not a problem. In other words, it's not an ohel. And Tanakam said it is no ohel. Seemingly. And now I just said that in a particular way. There are different ways of saying that, which we're going to get back to. Like Rashi preempted the Gemara a little bit. We said in the Mishnah that Rashi said that all arise mevatal and all kfa. So Rashi assumed in the Mishnah that the sukkah is an all kfa and the bed is an all arai. And that the all arise mevatal and all kfa, according to Rabbi Huda, and therefore you're located in the, in, excuse me, according to the Tanakhama, and therefore you're located in the all arai, under the bed, and Rabbi Huda said not. The next Mishnah we have is a Mishnah in Oalos, which is the bottom of Chafam and Base, which says, which talks about a new idea called a Oel Adam, which is a inadvertent Oel, or a non-deliberate Ohel, which was an Ohel that was either carved out by natural causes, or by animals, or by people, but incidentally. So that was a Machlokas, and there, there too, Rabbi Huda seems to be relatively aligned with the Mishnah, even though they're not identical cases. But there's relative alignment, because he says that that um, says that it is not an Oel. So in the same, similar to the fact that he said in the Mishnah that an Oel Arai is not an Oel vis-a-vis nullifying your domain vis-a-vis the broader Sukkah. Similarly, he seems to be saying that an Oel Arai, that an Oel She'enu Asubi Adam, in other words, this sort of weaker type of Ohel, an inadvertent Ohel, is not considered to be an Oel vis-a-vis conducting Tuma. So even though we're talking about two different things, the, we are talking about two different things. The Mishnah is talking about where are you, and the and the, the Mishnah, our Mishnah, the Mishnah in Sukkot, where are you? The Mishnah in Olos is talking about c- conducting Tumah, but there's a similarity, and this is going to be relevant. There's a similarity between the two opinions, and that both of these weaker forms of Olos, in Rabbi Yehuda's opinion, are not considered to be Olos. The, the, those are the first two Mishnayos that we've been dealing with, and <coughs> we're dealing with. Like we mentioned a few times, we're already dealing with a number of factors. The size of the sukkah, the intention of the sukkah, you know, of the oil, excuse me. You know, if it's awry, which seems to be, is it movable or temporary, something like that. The third Mishnah that we introduced yesterday was a Mishnah in Para, right? It's a Mishnah in Chafal Aleph, right? And that Mishnah said that the story, and we, as we discussed yesterday, right, that we discussed that there was a whole machlokas between the Tzedukim and the Prushim. There's a machlokas between the traditionalists and the heretics, as we'll say, right? Mm-hmm. The rejectors of the oral Torah, mm-hmm. who said whether or not, who argued as to what, how tahor is tahor, as how perfectly pure does the kohen, 
who is involved with the Parah Duma, how perfect does he have to be? And the Machlokas was whether or not a Tful Yom, essentially, which is someone who was Tameh, a certain level of Tumah, but did not, but, and went to the Mikvah, but the sun had not yet set. Right? That was a Machlokas between the, between the Prushim and the Tzdukim, whether or not he was Kashal Paraduma. So the Tzdukim were Machmir, right? the Tzdukim were more stringent. They said, AJ said yesterday something interesting, he said the Tzdukim are always more stringent. I don't, know if ever, I don't know if I've ever checked it out. He said, if you look through Shas, I, this is, someone needs to fact check this, but if you look through Shas, you'll find, right, like that was the one example, the Stukim are always more machmer. It's very fascinating, right? And so the Prusha, I don't know if it's true, someone has to fact check it, but... Uh, a lot of fact checking. Sorry? Well, if you do 10 examples and they check out, we'll go with it. <laughs> right, and the Prushim are, are more makele. So, which is the case over here, right? The Prushim are being more makel, and they're saying that even a Tful Yom is, even a Tful Yom is um, co- acceptable to, to do this. Um, so they, not only did they permit that, they dafka insisted that that should be the way it was done, sort of to reject the position of the heretics, of the Stukim. However, they felt that in so doing, they created a weakness in the Paraduma. Because essentially you're, you're institutionalizing uh, a leniency. And therefore they compensate in other areas by adding stringencies. Another fascinating thing, just sort of a hashkafic point, it comes out a little bit to me. I don't know what you guys think about this. But it seems to me that the stringencies don't really have much to do with each other. In other words, the, the lenient, you have a leniency, which has to do with the tulio. It's a very specific halachic thing. And then you have a, all these stringencies, right? We're going to create this incredibly complex and inconvenient system of stringencies in order to compensate and show how, how stringent we are. So, <clears throat> to me, it's interesting that they don't really directly have to do with each other. I mean, they all have to do with revolve around Tumat Tahara, but they don't really fundamentally <laughs> have what to do with each other. And yet, Chazal compensated with astringency. I mean, it, it speaks a little bit to some, I don't know if we can extrapolate hashkafa from here, but it would seem that, you know, sometimes you just add astringency to combat a leniency. I don't know if anybody has any other takes on that. Anyway, be that as it may, so they institutionalize this whole concept of, of this whole system where you had these kids who were growing up on these uh, camps, I don't know what you want to call them, these chatseros in Yerushalayim, and they had... The, and they built these domes underneath these rocks, which are essentially ohalos, and they protected them from Kevra to home from potential, possibly unknown, uh, unknown uh, tuma of dead bodies. And they would use these kids who were born, who lived, led their lives in absolute purity, <laughs> to go get the water for the paraduma. And the way the Gemara described it was, they brought oxen, which had on their backs planks. And the kids would sit on their backs and they had these cups of stone which they would lower into the shiloh, into the river next to the base of Mikdash to gather the water for that. So we have not yet seen the relevance to Argamar. We left off sort of uh, as with a cliffhanger as we put yesterday, right? But the point is, is that this is the third Mishnah we're now juggling that the Gemara is trying to put together. And we'll see the Gemara's point in a minute, okay? So we're up to... Tanya. So on this third Mishnah, which just describes this procedure, which was a compensatory procedure for the weakness, for the Kula that they instituted for Paraduma. So the Gebraisa says, V'tanya, Rav Yudah Omer, Rav Yudah says, Lo hayu Everyone see that? Everyone with me? Mm-hmm. 
Betanya Rabbi Huda Omer, Rabbi Huda says, Lohayim Avian Delosos, they would not bring doors. Ela Shvarim, they would bring oxen instead. So, in other words, forget the, forget the, forget the doors, right? The kids would sit on oxen, and that's they would be transported to gather the water for the para. So what's interesting about this? That oxen are, they're consider, oxen somehow are protecting from Tumah, right? The whole point is that these kids should remain B'Tahara and be protected from Kever HaTahom, from any potential theoretical, possible, unknown, dead body, Tumas Mace. And so they had, um, and so they had, and so they had this special transport. And in the, and in the first and before Rabbi Huda sort of added his opinion in the Bryce of the Mishnah said they had this thing with uh, doors, right, with these beams which were on top of the cows. He says, forget the doors, just go on the cows, the cows are good enough to protect from Kevrato, right? So now here we're getting to the crux of the issue. Why? Ask the Gemara. Says the Gemara, Shvarim, oxen, are ohalos that are not made bide adam. Right? They're not maybe day adam. Ukatani, Rabbi Huda Omer. In other words, they're inadvertent olos. In other words, granted, it's an ol. Of course, it's an ol. That's not a debatable point. We're going to consider an ox an ol. <coughs> Which to me is interesting in and of itself that we would consider an ox an ol. It's not something exactly you can go into. But, but I guess you could use it to protect you just like you'd use a board. Right? You could use it to protect something. It could be a barrier for something. So that barrier for something is, we'll see how Rashi says in a minute. So, but that barrier for something is an OL, except it's an inadvertent OL, but it's definitely an OL, says the Gemara. Right? This ox is definitely an OL, but it's an inadvertent OL. It's an OL. They would not bring doors. Rather, they would bring shvarim. So you see here, a contradiction, Rabbi Huda. Earlier in the Mishnah in Ohalos on the bottom of Chafam and Beis, Rabbi Huda said that an Ol Adam is not an Oel, and therefore it cannot be a conduit for Tumah. And here we're saying it is an Oel vis-a-vis protecting um, the children from Tumah, even though it's an Ol Shainu Adam. So, in other words, the, the shvarim are the same. Basically, what's the equation? The equation is, if you had set it up, that the shvarim are the same as these um, other things that were listed earlier. The koros, they happen by themselves. The chorsh harumayim, all that stuff. Right? The protection that they afford is valid protection. However, it's ain't also be the other. It's not designed by anyone, by any person, intentionally to be a protector, such that it should be considered an oel. So it's a contradiction, Rabbi Huda. Are ask the Gemara. Are Oholosha, Ain't Adam. Yes, Oholos or not Oholos, right? What is the difference between a shar, an ox, and Chorsh Charu Mayim, etc.? Given that they're both Oholosha, Ain't Adam. Now, just to elaborate for a moment on on uh, on this point, um, I just want to see this Rashi over here. One second. Rashi over here says, if you look in Elashvarim, Rashi says, Shakr, you see the Rashi, it's like the first white line. 
they have wide bellies, and their bellies interrupt between the theoretical Tumas HaTahom and the children on top. Because the children themselves are not uh, on top of the land. Later we're going to say why. We have not, there's a fundamental question that has not yet been addressed. In other words, the Seder, you like oxen, but what was wrong with the solution that the Mishnah itself said, which were the planks, the boards, that seems to be a perfectly fine thing. Anyway, but Rashi says the Gemara is going to explain in a minute. Alma, but what's the point? This is so interesting. The, the, the spine of the ox, gag, is like a roof. Right? It's like a slanted roof, right? The halal shel behema, and the the airspace inside the animal or the is who oel hamafsik. Is the animal or underneath it? The walking space, like that, its legs to the ground. That's it. Okay. I'm so not the sure. shell behema, though. Of the, the animal. It says of the animal. That's an interesting point, John. Airspace that the that the animal makes, right? Which is underneath it. Right. So, so the Gemara, just to preview this, I think it's when they're standing. The Gemara, that's what you think too. The Gemara here says later, and I'm not sure. I like this. It's not the way I imagine it. The Gemara talks about later why, what is it mahilon? What is the shvar mahilon? So later on, we're going to say it's asuin lahagin albanei me'ayin shalahem. So that you could say that was introduced later in the Gemara that protects their innards, right? So I'm not sure if that's you know it gets into some of these answers later on. Then it talks about protecting the rowim b'cham ne'acham. I didn't think that the that they sit in the airspace underneath the leg. I always imagined that they were sort of sit lying down and protecting them. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe we'll. Uh, We'll, we'll table it until we get to later because the Gemara is going to unpack exactly why. But it's an interesting point. There's obviously a Jiddish in, in the Gemara using Shvarim as the example. Like why not a donkey? Why not a camel? There must have been something inherent in the ox. That it well, we're, we're going to see why. That's going to be clear in a minute because then the Gemara, the Gemara is going to say that, uh, that poten- at least according to one opinion, that potentially the ox was much better than other... Why did Rabbi Huda prefer, prefer right. the ox? It's obvious the ox is much larger. Much wider, than right. So the, you don't have to worry about the kids jumping off. Uh-huh. That's one of the answers the Gemara's going to give. So it could be in like Rava. We'll see in a minute. Stein tells learns like you. He says, it's like all gufam shalashvar. The, the, the body I think, I, think it, I was influenced a little bit by what we saw later in the Gemara. I mean, we're going to have to see. If, you know, there might be various... There might be more than one way of understanding it. But anyway, even though it's not me So the fundamental point is that there's a stira, there's a contradiction of Rabbi Huda, right? Not the Rabbi Huda of our Mishnah, but the Rabbi Huda of the Mishnah Olos and the Rabbi Huda of the Mishnah Para, the bottom of Chafam and base and the top of Chafal and Aleph, right? The stira is what's the deal with the Ol How could you say on the one hand that it's something that is not a conduit for Tuma, and on the other hand say that it is something which is a barrier for Tuma? Either it is an oil or it's not an oil. If it is an oil, it should both protect and be a conduit. If it is not an oil, then it should do neither. Right? It should not protect and not do it. How can you say on the one hand that it protects and on the other hand that it is not a conduit? So the Gemara answers, and again, we still have not yet arrived at what the point this is vis-a-vis our Mishnah. The Gemara is working out right now an internal, mach- an external machlokas, but not related to our Mishnah per se yet. 
Right? The Gemara is just dealing with how to reconcile these two Mishnayas. Right? So that there is another factor. That although an ol she'enu adam is a weakness, that weakness is only in your standard sized oholos. So your standard sized oholos, so the minimum sized oholos is a tefach. So when we were talking about on the bottom of Chafam base, these various ol she'enu adam, which Rabbi Yehuda says is not an ol, all these things were things which were a tefach. And therefore, he says, it's a garnished. However, if it was bigger than a tefach, it was an egg rope, which is like a fist, so then he'd agree that it's fine. So here you have a very fascinating thing. There's a weakness of ol she'enu adam that's counteracted by the strength of the size of the ohel, and that the fact that it's unintentional isn't the be-all and end-all of determining whether or not it's an ohel, but the size can positively negate the negative consequences of being an ol she'en also be the adam. The size can compensate the fact that it's kimolei egrof, that's bigger than a regular ol, compensate for the fact, you can, in other words, according to the Gemara's answer, you have the exact same cases. You can have a midbach shalavanim, a chorsh charumayim, shratzim, achom lachas. Says Rabbi Yehuda, it's no good, unless it's kimolei egrof. If it's as big as some of the pictures back there, that they found, the maybe it's fine. What? This. The, the airspace. Okay. That's <clears throat> So, and there's a brysa in support of this interpretation of Rabbi Yehuda and the brysa, which is reconciled now with the Rabbi Yehuda and the Mishnah in, in Olos. These bigger types of, man, of non-man-made Olos, these eroded Olos, these rocks or whatever they are, right, that they are considered to be an Olos, because they're Kamalei Egrof. Okay? So that's, that's the, how the Gemara reconciles it. So we're all good. So what's the bottom line of Rabbi Huda? The bottom line of Rabbi Huda is, in Ol She'en Asabidadam, that is a Tefach is no good. But in Ol She'en Asabidadam, that is a bigger than a Tefach is, is good. Therefore, Shvarim would be good. <clears throat> and therefore, Shvarim are good. And Even though they're not Bidadam, but and it's sli- an Egrof. Correct. And Slime and Akike, whatever, are good. But these cases on Chafam and Beis are not good. That's where the Gemara left off. Ask the Gemara of Aharei Delos, and now the Gemara, and now so to, so table that. Hold on to that. The Gemara is going to fully reconcile the Shaklavataria in the Brisa, the back and forth within the Brisa itself. So we're going to digress for a moment now. So just hang on while we digress for a moment. But keep in mind this distinction. The main point of our Gemara that our Gemara is trying to bring out for the purposes of getting back to our Mishnah on Chafal and base is this distinction between Kamalei Egrof and not Kamalei Egrof, that an Ol She'en the Adam, if it's Kamalei Egrof, is in fact a valid Ohel. Right? Now the Gemara is going to digress for a moment. So just hold that, check, put that on the side. Let's go through that the Gemara is digressing. Because the Gemara wants to sort of reconcile what we just read. So the Gemara says the problem that we asked before. V'varei delas the Yeshba Kama Egrofim, u'ktani shvarim. Ask the Gemara, but a delas which has many agrofim, because the height from the delas, the, the door, which is on top of the shvarim, to the bottom of the floor is way more than an agrof. And we learned that Rabbi Yehuda said that we don't have to bring, we don't have to bring delasos uh, elas shvarim. So what was his problem? If he holds an ol she'enu adam is, is in fact good, so what was wrong with the uh, option A? 
Why did Rabbi Yudah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Why did he deviate from option A to go to option B? Now, it's interesting here, and maybe we'll end with this before we to leave it as a cliffhanger for everyone. Again, again, to be continued. But, um, but, um, but I'll just make the point that the Delosos were definitely not an old Sha'ino Asibideyadam. They definitely were Asibideyadam. Right. The Lusos were very deliberate. So in what sense does the Gemara feel it has the right to draw a comparison? This is going to be an exceptional point. This is going to be an exceptionally important point, I think. What? If all she'en also be the other means as we said yesterday, which was, it happened by itself. Also may lehen in Rashi's words. So this was not. This was deliberately placed on the backs of Shvarim to be an OL to protect the kids from... So that's your question. Right, to protect the kids from the thing underneath. Right. Right? So what's the Gemara's question? Double cliffhanger. Wow. Double cliffhanger. So I think this is going to be relevant in a minute because, I mean, toast is a little, this toast is a bit complicated. The answer is a bit complicated. All the, all the mafarshim go on this toast. But at, at face value, if we don't go with the toast for a second... So, there seems to be drawing a comparison between just different types of weak ohalos. Why is it weak? Why is that weak? It seems to be an exceptionally weak. temporary ohal. Uh-huh. Uh, it seems crazy. very much like an ohal right to me. Right. right? Which is going to be relevant in a, in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. In other words, the question I guess I'll leave you with is can we compare an ohal right to an ohal shayin other? Are those two things comparable? What did Rashi say? Right, such that the Gemara even has a Havamina that Egrofin might be able to play it. Right. Which Rashi? Which one? Which one? Last Rashi. There's going to be a Kaka that does because Amar Vita Loi may be in Losa Kazarli. She went to Ender of Olbekach, but Kol Shikain Shvar. Yeah, right. Does the Ishmael come over in a car? Does come over? You don't let me be in the lost cause. It's a question. What? I mean, because I think so. I th- I, or something like that. No, it's a non normative OA. And we're comparing the two in the question. No, oh, I mean, it actually doesn't say the two are compared. Right. In other words, really, the reason why I'm pointing this out now is because what's ultimately the Gemara's question? Ultimately, the Gemara is going to point out on Chafa Alchamid base that Barimita the Yeshba Kama Grofim. Gemara say in Mitas has Kama Grofim. Now the Gemara is going to compare our Mishnah to an Ol Shein Asa Now is our Mishnah an Ol Shein Asa You could say it is maybe, like you didn't intend that it just happened by itself, and maybe it is a full Ol Shein Asa or maybe it just means it's a, maybe it's just an Ol Aray. What if you put the bed there for, on purpose? What do you put the bed there deliberately to be mile underneath? Right. That's exactly the point I'm making. In other words, the reason why this is relevant, the reason why I'm point, making the point now, is because while the Gemara is asking this in the context of a digression within Fartaiching the this Bryce itself, really there's a whole that this is going to be the thrust of the Gemara's question in a minute. Right? The Gemara's question is going to be to compare an old Shayna Sabi the Adam to to Whatever Amita is, right? To uh, 
Varimita, just as Varimita, Varimita, the Ishkama Grofim. So, so I, how you understand this Gemara now will impact the way you understand the Gemara's question later, potentially. So, that's something to keep in mind. What? 